me. Father, thank you for this beautiful day that you've given us to come here, your children, to worship in this place that you have given us to come and worship you. We thank you for that. We thank you that everyone that hears this message here today will be helped, healed everywhere they hurt, empowered to live the Christian life, have a revelation of the love that you have for them, and prosper in every way. I pray this for everyone who will hear this message all over the world today or any time in the future. Just receive it. Reach out and claim it like the song says right now in the name of Jesus. Thank you for the anointing that rests on me and on your precious word today, Lord, to break every yoke. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We have been talking a lot about the spirit man. Last week the message was called Living Inside Out. Because this is essential to a successful, powerful, victorious Christian life. Jesus dealt with your sin 2,000 years ago. Before you ever committed one. People say, oh, well, you got you to gotta go every time you do a sin, you got to get it under the blood. You got to go and pray. And this, I don't believe this is true. Uh, not against anyone. I love them all. But you, when you receive the Lord Jesus for real, if you've read my book, you know that I start off by saying I was baptized a few times, one time drunk, and all I got was wet. So. <laughs> but if you've really been born again, if you've really had an encounter, if you've really received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, your spirit is sanctified, set apart, made holy, perfected, renewed, and sealed. When you leave here and somebody pulls out in front of you on the feeder road there and you say something you shouldn't have, that doesn't get into your spirit. (laughs) It's in your soulish realm, your mind, your will and emotions, your personality. And that's why you need to go to the Lord and get it straight. So that you know. So that you're squared away in your conscience, you see. But you're free. But the Spirit is who God is. That's why He can. That's why you look in the mirror and you see this this person that sometimes you don't like very much. You see all the blemishes and imperfections in the body, and then in your and your and your personality as well. You see that you still screw up a little sometimes. And this preacher's telling me I'm just like Jesus, and then I guess it just didn't work for me then. No. 1 Thessalonians 5.23 says you are spirit, soul, and body. And I'm trying to help you to understand who the spirit is because the Bible teaches us that we are called to live after the spirit. People say I'm walking in the spirit. No, you are already in the spirit. When you're born again, you were you were on that cross with Jesus. You were, you were sacrificed. You, you, you were killed with him. Although he laid down his life. But you died with him. You were buried with him. You were resurrected with all, without all that junk. Without all the guilt and shame. And poverty and strife. And illnesses. And unforgiveness. Resurrected, pure and holy. And now you are seated with him at the right hand of the Father in, 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 in heaven. Amen. And he identifies with you now. He looks at you. And he doesn't see Adam anymore. He doesn't see Eve. He doesn't see that fallen seed, that first Adam. He sees the new Adam, the second Adam, which is the last one, which is Jesus. God looks at the seed. Before he had given man authority in the earth and it was corrupted when they agreed with the devil. Sin entered in and corrupted that seed and so we were all born with it. So God either sees Adam 
the corrupted, fallen man, or he sees Jesus, perfect and holy. Now, why don't we keep sinning then? They kept asking Paul that when he tried to teach grace. Oh, does that mean I can just go out and live? And it almost made Paul cuss. (laughs) No, absolutely not. By no means. Heavens no. How are you going to go back to that which you've been brought from? You've changed spiritual addresses. Don't go back to your old neighborhood in Sin City. Because if you do, if you agree with the devil on any given subject, you've given him legal right to come into that area of your life and eat your lunch and pop the bag. He will do it. You no match for the devil. Don't think I'm giving him any props, any credit. He's a loser. And a liar. But he is here to steal, kill, and destroy. Really, what really wants from you is this. This word that is sown into your heart, into good ground. Which can take root and bear fruit in your life. In your soulish realm. Because it will come out of the spirit man. Work itself out into the soulish realm. Where you can benefit from it in this life. The peace, love, joy, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control that is already in the mind of Christ, which is in your spirit, which you cannot discern with the natural mind. And this has to be renewed. John 12, 1 and 2. Remember last week, John, uh, uh, Paul said, Romans 12, 1 and 2. Paul said, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God... Don't be conformed to the world, but be renewed, be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Be transformed. Now who is he talking to? He's not talking to the spirit man anymore. He's talking to to your flesh. Your flesh doesn't just have to be the body. This is fleshy mind too that's been programmed so wrongly. Because everything's gone in these eye and ear gates your whole life. That hasn't been this, which is almost everything, has generally been a lie. So he's saying, now learn to agree with the spirit that's within you. Because Jesus says, it's good that I'm, I'm going. Remember on the night of his betrayal in John 14, it's good that I'm going. Basically, the reason was because he could only be in one place at one time, you see. And the only thing he had going for him here was what you can have now is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And he walked after the Spirit in the full power and authority of God working through him. But he had made himself just like us. And it was harder probably for the disciples to believe on him than it is for us because... They walked with him and they saw him every day as a person. And like I've taught before, familiarity breeds contempt. But Hebrews 8, 6 says that now we have a better covenant with better promises than the believers did who were under the law for 1,500 years. And nobody could pull it off. Remember that? Ever since since it was Moses came down from Sinai... And the, the first set got broken because <laughs> he got mad. And then God made him made him chisel out the next set. But nobody could do it. It was just a reminder of how holy and perfect God is in his standards. And it was supposed to drive people to the end of themselves and cry out for mercy, which he was prepared to give. We have a... Gr- Look at Psalms 103. I like to quote it a lot of times when we're talking about healing. But just talking about some of the benefits and the promises of God. And this is old covenant stuff, but this is David speaking by the Spirit. Bless the Lord, O my soul, 
and all that is within me. Now, listen, David's talking to his soul. He's, he's inspired by the Spirit of God, everyone who wrote all the writers of this book. It was really God speaking through them. All Scripture is inspired by God. Amen? Amen. So, speaking by the Spirit of God, he's talking to his own soul. Trying to keep it in remembrance and remind it and get it to answer some things. Get it to create an apostolic atmosphere after the Spirit instead of after the flesh. He says, bless the Lord, O my soul. He's telling his mind, his will, his emotions to bless the Lord. And all that is within me, bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not. And this is what I'm going to tell you today. Forget not all His benefits. Who forgives all your sins, all your iniquity? Who heals all your diseases? <coughs> Who redeems your life from the pit? Who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy? Who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagle's? The answer to all those is God. Don't don't forget. Lest you forget. Lest you look around at your situations and circumstances and forget that it's God who provides every good and perfect gift. It's God. Keep that in remembrance. Keep it ever before you speak it. No matter what's going on. You can talk about it. This isn't Christian science. Which isn't Christian or science. You know. (laughs) Hey your arm got chopped off. It's laying on the floor. That's not my arm. (laughs) What? Yeah it is. (laughs) No. We understand that things try to come against us. Sickness. Strive. Poverty. But those things don't belong to us. Why? We live in inside out. We're living in agreement with who God says we are now in the Spirit. Under the new covenant with better promises. You see? Being broke is a temporary situation. Being poor is a state of mind. You understand? Yeah, sickness tried to come upon me. Heart disease came after me. But God has healed me, you see? God provided. I was believing for supernatural, brand new heart, brand new arteries, brand new aorta, brand new valve, brand new, what are those other things? Arteries. Guess what? I didn't get them like that. Did God want to give me those like that? Yes, He sure did. Is he mad at me? Am I to walk condemned because my faith was playing tug of war with unbelief and I somehow wasn't able to bring to pass the supernatural healing that I was believing for? Had to change his mind a bit because he doesn't love me based on my works. Faith is not a work. This is big stuff. There's nothing I can do to stop him from loving me. Because when he looks at me, he sees Jesus. He sees pure gold. Oh, that preacher said he's Jesus. No. We are all a part of his body now. We are one with Christ. You understand this? I'm telling you, when God looks at you, he either sees Adam or Jesus. Don't forget all the great things that He does. Ephesians 1, let's look in the New Testament. 
I'll tell you, I'm going somewhere here. Ephesians 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. And in 1 Peter, it says, He has blessed us with all, all things pertaining to life, this life and godliness. Already done. Has has blessed us. Has given us all things. Past tense. Again, well, then I must not be one of his adopted children he's talking about. I have not been predestined by him because if he's given me all things and he's given all things to all of his kids, then I definitely didn't make it. No. Again, you're looking after the flesh. It's all in deposit. All you got to do is write the check. (laughs) Work out that which is within. Amen. Amen. Believe and receive or doubt and do without. Look at Mark chapter 11. And then I want to get a little more specific. Matthew, Mark, chapter 11. Everybody okay? Yep. Mark chapter 11, one of the, the great passages of Scripture. Jesus had cursed a fig tree because it was supposed to have figs on it. Because when it had leaves, the fig tree is supposed to also produce fruit at the same time. It's, it's unusual like that. He was hungry. He was walking by and it had leaves on it and it didn't have any fruit. Now, I could just preach right there for a long time. But because it was a hypocrite and a liar, it proclaimed to be something it wasn't. It proclaimed that it had and was doing something it wasn't doing. He cursed it. And they came back. It, one, one of the gospels says it died immediately. The other gospel says that when they came back that night that, or the next morning, it was dead. Do, they, do those stories conflict? No. That's what I'm telling you. Did Adam and Eve die the day they ate of that tree? Yes, they did. The same as that fig tree died the moment he cursed it, even though it looked like it was still alive. They died spiritually. That fig tree died at the roots and it just took it a while to shrivel up and die. Adam and Eve lived for hundreds of years and God was still good to them and treated them nicely, even though they were under the curse that they had brought upon themselves and they had to stay apart from the garden. The cherubs were there guarding it. Cherubs are not these little, fat little baby angels that just come out on Valentine's Day. They're mighty, mighty warriors. One of them killed 180,000 people in one night. And they only stopped because God told them to, I think. So they're pretty tough. Why couldn't they get back into the garden after they ate of it? Because God hated them? No. Because God loved you. If they would have got back into the garden, either the tree of life, they would live forever with the sin nature of Satan in them. Corrupted. I'm going to get into a different message if I don't watch out. So, they were, they were amazed when they saw that this fig tree had died because he cursed it. He's like, what? That's no big deal. (laughs) Basically, I'm paraphrasing, okay? Peter, as they passed by in the morning, I started verse 20 of chapter 11 in Mark. As they passed by in the morning, they saw the fig tree withered away to its roots. And Peter remembered and said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree that you cursed has withered. And Jesus answered them, have faith in God. And and the reason they didn't understand it is because they didn't have faith. They didn't have the Holy Ghost yet. That's why he told them after they'd been with him for three and a half years and knew so much about him and were, were chomping at the bit to go and minister to the world and tell them all about Jesus, how he was the Savior after he had gone up to heaven. He said, don't do anything. 
Don't go anywhere. Don't tell anybody anything. You're going to minister to the whole world. But don't do it until the, until the Father sends the gift, the Holy Ghost. And if they needed it, you need it. I shouldn't say it because it's Him. The third person of the Trinity. Amen? Amen. He said, have faith in God and faith... Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, in other words, it's not a big deal. He says, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will come to pass, it will be done for him. The King James says, believes that he has it when he prays. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. You see this a kingdom of opposites. Almost anyone you go tell that God is going to do something, they say, I believe it when I see it. God says you never see it. He says, believe it now and then you will see it. Yes. Unbelief creates a spiritual tug of war. You're trying to release faith, sending it out to do what God has Send it out to accomplish His will. Amen? Faith is the hand that reaches out and obtains all the things provided by grace through the atonement of Jesus Christ on the cross. When you... You may be trying to stand in faith, say you're standing in faith, but then you, you start doubting and unbelieving. And believe me, there's a spiritual tug of war going on. That's why He says, whoever believes and does not doubt in his heart... You can do both, you see, at the same time. And it just paralyzes you spiritually. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe you have and you receive. And whenever, and whenever you stand praying, look, his people stop right there. Believe that you... You see, whatever I ask in prayer, believe that I have it and it will be yours. That's a faith message. That's a, a message against unbelief. That's a message on how big our God is, you see? Because Jesus was saying, that fig tree is nothing. You, you, you can do this too. You can take that mountain and move it over there if you believe. And, and don't doubt. And people stop right there. I want to go further. Verse 25, because he, he, he didn't stop the paragraph there. He kept on talking. And whenever you stand praying, forgive Forgive. If you have anything against anyone, so that your Father also who is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. Listen. If you're struggling with the doctrine about all your sins are forgiven, past, present, and future, or you got to get it under the blood, or whatever denominational background you come from, that's fine. Just, just pray about it. Okay? Whether God is not just having to forgive you now, in other words, if you believe, like the old Pentecostal, like my wife grew up, and she, she thought they're all going to hell anyway, so you might as well have a good time, because that's what they told them every week. <laughs> And you got to get it all under the book. If you believe that, or you believe, like I told you, that when you sin, you're opening a door, legal pathway for the devil to come into your life and to kill, steal, and destroy. Either way, it's bad, right? So let's just stipulate that sin causes bad things in the life of believers. God hates sin because He loves you. Amen. Amen. And he's telling you, forgive, so your Father will forgive you. We have all these things that we have, all things pertaining to life and godliness. God says, Beloved, I, I wish that thou mayest prosper and be in good health, even as thy soul prospers. 3 John 2. That's his desire for you to prosper in every way, to be helped. H E L P, which is the acronym for this church, right? Healed everywhere you heard. Empowered, loved, and prospered. We receive that help for ourselves. It's like the oxygen mask falling down in the plane so that we can then go help others. 
It's a hurting world. A sick and dying world. And they need to know what you know. They need to have what you have if you've truly been born again. The only thing you take into heaven with you is souls. He who saves souls is wise, the Bible says. When you plant seeds like you do so often, Sam, how it just it brings you joy to tell people about Jesus. You're going to know some of those people in heaven. Some of them God is still reaching. He's sending other people across their path. And they're saying something similar to what you said to them one time. And they're going, what? This is bizarre. This is too crazy not to be God. And you know what? They, they, they finally look up. Amen. You know? You, 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 you all sow into this ministry. I got news for you. Everywhere that this ministry sows, like I was telling you, we sow into worldwide ministries. We sow into local. We sow into you. You going with it? You see, you're part of those ministries. You get to know people from those things. Amen. I know some of you think you're the only ones that uh, drop offerings in that basket. Uh, the Lord told me to tell y'all that we have a we have an app on our website. And I just have GTC giving in my phone and I just punch in a number there and it, it, it takes it and sends me a receipt and all that. It's good for people that are gone a lot and that aren't here. But anyway, in case you, in case you went up, oh, poor guy, nobody sows into that church but, but us. Yeah, they do. They, you just don't see it. Okay. I'm not, I'm not, anyway. I don't know why. The Lord told me to tell you all that in case you're wondering or judging others. <laughs> that's how Tavon and I uh, give and that's how uh, some others do nevertheless but our hope is in the Lord that's, that's where I'm going I'm trying to tell you how good it is under the new covenant you see we've talked a lot people read in the Old Testament and they see how hellfire and brimstone and then they just keep preaching right into the new covenant and they don't see any difference except for one blank page between Malachi and Matthew and they don't understand what it's there for. And remember I tell you all the time when you see a therefore in the Bible find out what it's there for. Consider that blank page a therefore. Because there's a huge difference from when Jesus wasn't here everything in the old was just a picture, type and shadow of what was to come in Him. All the curses, all of the ugly you're free from, you're protected from. He bore that for you on the cross. Now, all the blessings are still yours. Look in Deuteronomy 28. He talks about blessing and cursing. And he lists all the wonderful things that will come upon those who are obedient. And all of the curses that will come upon those who aren't. Take all those curses and put them up on Jesus on the cross. Amen. Now, God is not judging you for those things. But remember, the devil still, he sees that as his territory. Mm -hmm. And he will have legal right to come in and meddle in your life. Mm -hmm. That's why why we're going to talk about a couple of things. 1 Timothy 1, 1 says, Our hope is in the Lord. It's all because of Jesus that we have these good things. We have a good, good Father. But everything that he thinks of you is based on your decisions regarding his son in this life. Amen. That's why he's so good to you. He's good anyway. He, he is love. But, but, but without Jesus, there's no access to the Father. You see? Now we go through that, you know how the, the, that two foot thick curtain separating the holy place from the holy of holies? was ripped from top to bottom. And now we can just walk right into the whole the throne room of grace. Right into God's office. Your Father, that you may obtain mercy and find favor in the time of need. The Bible describes it now as you going through the torn tent of the which is the body of Christ. Amen. Yeah. 
That's how we get there. Without him, we wouldn't have any of this. When you read the Old Testament and you see all those ugly things, I heard a, a, a president that we had before we had this one that has done so much for the church. I heard one that came before him say a lot of weird things about Christianity, professing to be one. But it was a lack of understanding. You see what I'm saying? Talking about things that God did in the Old Testament. Not understanding the new covenant. This church age in which we now live. Of grace and truth. Yes, amen. 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 But now, although we have everything, everything that's God's is ours, everything that belongs to Jesus is ours, we are adopted children with the same rights and privileges of the natural born child himself, Jesus Christ. But there are spiritual laws that God has put in place for your benefit that if you don't understand, he said, my people are perishing for a lack of knowledge. A lack of knowing me is what he's saying. Jesus gave the definition of eternal life in John 17, 3. He said, this is eternal life. That they know you, the one true God, and your son, Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. That same word, know, is the word that they use in Genesis when it said, Adam knew Eve and they conceived and had a child. It's an intimate, passionate relationship with the one true God. And Jesus has made that way for us. Amen. But without knowing, without that relationship, you're going to miss out. And some of the spiritual laws that he has in place to benefit you, to prosper you, to heal you, to help you, will kill you if you don't understand them and learn how to participate and cooperate with God. Jesus uses... As a basic example, the law of sowing and reaping. Because everything in the kingdom is in seed form. Our money is in seed form. That's why Jesus talks about it so much. He said, if you don't understand the law of sowing and reaping, you're not going to understand any of my parables. Why? Because everything, your love, your time, your gifts, your money, all in seed form. You are just a steward A caretaker of everything that God puts in your care. Every person that crosses your path. Every friend. Every relationship. Every family member. Every cent. You're a steward of all of God's grace that He puts in your care. And when you're a good caretaker, the reward is more. When you work... (laughs) The reward for for hard work with God is more work. We're not going to be sitting around in heaven. And if you don't like, you know, some people like just the piano in church. Some people don't like the guitar. And some people, if you don't like loud things and festive things and and shouting and and all that, you're going to hate heaven. Because they're partying down in a good way. I don't know where partying became a a tool of the devil, but it's not. For everything that God has, the devil has an ugly counterfeit, you see? That's why it says spirits on the uh on the on the uh liquor store window, you know. <laughs> Wrong spirit, you know. Get the Holy Spirit. Amen. Some of these spiritual laws Are really essential. Love is key. That's the only. When Jesus took all those that were chiseled in stone and he, they were nailed to the cross with him. Basically, is what what it says spiritually. He set aside that covenant, and he only gave us one love. He says, if you if you love, you, you're not going to break any of those. 
If you're really walking in love, you, you don't have to worry about those things that were chiseled in stone. The things that the devil used to accuse you. He said, I, I set it aside. I've forgotten all your sins. As far as the east is from the west. Nothing can separate you now from the love of God in Christ Jesus. But we have to love. He said, that's how, that's how they're going to know you're my disciples. You love one for another. How many churches are segregated today? Not only the, the black church in this country is segregated from the white church. And other uh, nationalities and races and things like that. And it's natural for some people to want to be with their own kind sometimes. That's okay. And it's not always like that. You know, they talk about all the racial issues and the, and the, and the hatred and the bigotry and all that. You know, I, I go to the grocery store. I go to the post office. I go all about my business. Like customers of all kinds. I don't see any of that. I know it exists. But it's not like they say. Not here. But there is division among men. But not with God. Not with God. We're supposed to love one another. That's how people are going to know who we are. We're supposed to forgive and be humble. Without humility, you can't really say you're living a life of faith. You're called to a life of faith. The just, which is you, you're righteous and holy. You know that? I told you, you're kings and priests. You don't have to wear your collar turned around backward to be a priest. And you don't have to wait for a group of those to call you a saint, for you to be a saint. When you received Jesus, you became a saint. And you are, you are a new race of kings and priests forever in the order of Melchizedek, without beginning or end. Unforgiveness, though, is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. Colossians 3 13 you get it just holler out Colossians 3 Verse 13 says, Bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. I tell people, unforgiveness is not an option for the Christian, and they look at me like, well, okay. Then you have to scratch this verse out of your Bible. And it always gives the criteria. It always gives the, the reason. And believe me, God doesn't have to give a reason. He gave Moses a reason why he couldn't go into the promised land. And believe me, that reason was, was enough. You, you, you didn't honor me. You struck the rock twice. But really that was a type and shadow. When he struck the rock again twice. When, when he had struck the rock 37 years prior. And brought water forth. That was a picture of Christ being crucified. And the Holy Spirit and life coming forth. And now when they're going. Kadesh about to go into the promised land again. And he, he tells them speak to the rock. And it will bring forth water for the people. And instead he hits it twice. Christ being crucified again all over. Not happening. God didn't tell him that at the time. That's there for you to see type and shadow, you see. I believe Moses was never intended to go into the promised land. Because he is a type. He is a representative of the law of God, you see. Moses is with him, believe me. God, when the Lord buried him himself on that mountain. What an honor. But for him to be able to lead the people of 
the Hebrews into the promised land, if everything in the Old Covenant is type and shadow, that would make it look like maybe we can get there by good works. No, it took Joshua, a type and shadow of Yeshua, Jesus, to bring them on in. Amen. Amen. Must forgive. I got a bunch of these about forgiveness. But I'm going to... You can look. Ephesians 4.32. You can look at Matthew 6.12. You can look at the passage we just talked about in Mark 11 where he says you can have your mountain moving faith, but... He goes on, don't forget verse 25 as he goes on, but if you have anything against anybody, when you pray, go forgive them. Forgive them. So that God, you see, if you want to walk around saying, this, this, this is happening, this is coming against me, this is going, but God, but forgive. Hello. If you don't, unless you don't believe Jesus right there. In which case, I'll, I'll keep preaching as long as I have draw a breath I'll try to convince you you'll come around God is good good God bad devil but there are things in place that are going to help you if you will cooperate with them don't keep your eyes on the things that the devil has stolen from you keep your eyes on what God has and will give you there is no future in the past. Never let your memories be bigger than your dreams. I always say. And when you live in bitterness and unforgiveness, it paralyzes today and it steals tomorrow. That person going around just as free and happy or miserable, whatever. It doesn't matter. But your unforgiveness isn't affecting them. It's affecting you. I wish there was a cage. Don't they have a cage for those wrestlers that come in here? You create a cage, a prison of your own making. Bitterness and unforgiveness. I've got one side of my family. The uncle that everybody, he looked like John Wayne. He's the coolest thing ever. Taught us all how to party, live it up. (laughs) He died at 59 after he won the lottery. Spent most of it. Before he died, thankfully, I guess. And he had had four children, my cousins, that I grew up with. And they're all dead too now. You see? I remember those cousins. They were angry. The two boys especially. They were real tough guys, you know. They were so angry and bitter about their childhood. Mad at daddy, mad at mama, mad at God, mad at the world, you see. They're dead. They're all dead. I knew the boys were dead. I only found out about the two girls yesterday myself. That's what that sort of thing brings. Death. Everything that doesn't align with God, with peace, love, joy, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, that's God's character. All the other stuff is the devil. And he only comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Look in 1 Corinthians. I know it's a pretty day, so I'm almost done. First Corinthians chapter 14. First Corinthians chapter 14. <laughs> Says... Verse 1 and 2. Pursue love. Pursue love. And earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. 
There are nine gifts of the Spirit. And I'm going to teach on those before long. Because if you, if you haven't been baptized with the Holy Spirit, you need to be. If Jesus needed it, and He wouldn't let the apostles go anywhere or do anything or preach in His name until they received it, then how come you could be so arrogant to think you don't need it to live the successful Christian life? Sheep weren't meant to carry packs on their back. And without the baptism of the Holy Spirit, that's what you're trying to do. But pursue love. Pursue love. And earnestly desire spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. He goes on, For one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men, but to God. For no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the Spirit. You're going straight to the throne room of God. You're bypassing. He's not being negative about it. He's talking about it's better to prophesy in a group, uh, which preaching is is a form of prophecy in a group, in a known language where they can understand that don't know God. Instead of them coming in and we're all speaking in tongues. That's what these, these uh, immature Corinthians were doing. They were all just prophesying and rattling on in tongues and stuff like that. And people were coming in and going, oh my God. <laughs> he said, no, no, no. Don't do that. God's a God of order. I'm going to give you a prayer language. That's, that's for you. And then there is a gift of tongues that can be used in the corporate setting. But there has to be an interpretation. And someone stands up in the midst of me preaching a sermon and they pop out with a a prophecy that God thus saith the Lord. I'm going to tell them to sit down and shut up. Because my Bible says that the spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet. You see, I don't want people thinking God is weird or rude. He's not. He's awesome. And everything He's done is for your benefit. He loves you and it's beautiful. He's irresistible. But my point is, all these gifts go back to 13. I went backwards. Go back to the 13th chapter, just on that same page or back a page. And look how it starts out. But if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, because that's what you're doing when you learn to Use your gift. But I have not love. I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. (laughs) That's not a positive remark. And if I have prophetic powers, and I understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and I have all faith. All these are good things he's describing, by the way. These are all gifts of the Spirit that he's encouraging you to seek after. So as to remove mountains. I have all faith so as to remove mountains. But have not love. I am nothing. Look at this. If I give away all I have. And deliver up my body to be burned. But to have not love. I gain nothing. Some people are saying. Pastor I've been tithing and giving donations to This church, ever since I was a little kid where we grew up, our family, we we were like a family of skunks. We had our own pew. We were there every Sunday. And I'm just as broke as can be. Well, yeah, yeah, but, yeah, but don't, didn't didn't I notice in that church that, like, you you, you have your, uh, your family pew, your skunk family <laughs> here, at, but there's another part of your family oh, oh, way on the other side of the church in the back. And then I see when y'all y'all are coming and going, you you make sure you don't cross paths. I haven't seen you speak to them in five, ten years. Are, y- are y'all understanding this? Yes. They're just religious. Religion's never saved anybody. Only relationship with Jesus. Faith worketh through love. Love is key. 
Paul's saying all these other things are wonderful and they're going to help you and they're going to do, help you to accomplish great things. Jesus said, the things that I do, you will do also and greater things will you do when I leave because I'm going to send the Holy Spirit who's going to give you these gifts. He's going to work with you. Which one is the best gift? The best, the one for the, for that time. The one that's needed at that time for that person, you see. But without love, it profits you nothing. That's why you don't see me preaching on the tithe and offerings. Because I'm praying for you all. I pray over your tithe and offerings. I pray for God to multiply that seed into the kingdom of God for His work. And to multiply a hundredfold return to the sower. I pray that for every one of you. And I believe He will do it. If you will, if you will turn your receiver on. If you will sow with expectancy, both directions, you see, putting this to work in the kingdom, and God's going to bless me back with a lot more seed, a whole bag of it. Yes, amen. 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 Got to have love. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, I want to tell you one more thing. One more thing. I'm going to tell you one more thing, and I'm going to get in under the hour. Matthew 15. And if it doesn't bless you, then I'll I'll, I'll do one of those I'll, I'll do one of those mega church fifteen minute messages next week that's guaranteed not to offend anyone. <laughs> Lord, forgive me for that. I apologize. <laughs> Y'all pray for me. I'm telling you, that was my flesh. That was the flesh. I'm on the air next week. <laughs> you can listen. It's free online. You see. <laughs> I'm just saying, if you're going to pray, oh, oh, okay. <laughs> Matthew chapter 15, verse 22. <clears throat> I'll just back up to 21. And Jesus went away from there and withdrew to the district of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a Canaanite woman from that region came out. And was crying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. She was a Canaanite. She was not a Jew. And a little bit of hypocrisy in there because she's acting like she knew him or was associated with him by calling him son of David. She, you know, she wasn't Jewish. It meant something. My daughter is severely oppressed by a demon. But he did not answer her a word. Now, the Bible says in Acts that haven't you heard of Jesus of Nazareth who was anointed with power and the Holy Ghost and he went about healing all who were oppressed of the devil and doing good. I said that backwards, but doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. Well, he does. Just hold on. But he didn't answer her word. And his disciples came and begged him saying, send her away for she's crying out after us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel, is what he told her. But she came and knelt before him, saying, Lord, help me. And he answered, it's not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. That's pretty rough. She said, yes, Lord, yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. And Jesus answered her, O woman, great is your faith. Be it done for you as you desire. And her daughter was healed instantly. She was not a Jew. She was not in covenant with God, is what that means. At that time, Jesus, his life, he lived, they were still under the law. Which lasted for 1,500 years until he was crucified. Amen. And resurrected and enthroned. She had no rights. You see, covenant wise. According to God's holy law and standards. He holds himself. He's so holy. He holds himself accountable to his own laws. But she had no rights or privileges based on covenant with God. And so what she was asking Jesus and the way she approached him, oh, son of David, like she was a member of that group. It wasn't true, you see. 
And so what Jesus was doing, he wasn't really, he wasn't trying to be rude. And not that he cared about people's feelings. He cares about more than your feelings. But he was trying to bring her to a place where she realized that the miracle that she was asking for was not deserved. You understand what I'm saying? Uh, the children's bread, he said, is not right to take. He was sent for the time, the short ministry he had here. It was for the Jews. He was sent to minister to the Jews. His own people rejected and killed him. Amen. That's what he's telling her. I don't have a covenant with you. I'm here to minister to them. It's not right for me to take what was meant for them. All the miracles. See, what she's asking, he said, he, it's, it's available to all of them. He went to his own hometown. And he couldn't heal many there because of their unbelief. And this a carpenter's son? And this his sisters and his brothers? Shouldn't he be off making chairs somewhere? And he was amazed. And he couldn't do many mighty works there. He only healed a couple of people and he left. Prophet. It's not recognizing his own home, he said, his own hometown. Familiarity breeds content, like I said. But he's, he's helping this woman. He's bringing her down. He, letting her know it's not deserved because, you see, this is where this, is where this woman, she's known forever now as someone of great faith. And she started off by being kind of bold and presumptuous. But see, a really proud person, and that, I don't mean that in a good way. We've been taught that that's a good thing. to be. Where's your pride? Have some pride. That's a bad thing. Now, dignity and, and, and think, never mind. <laughs> but a proud person in an ugly way would be offended by what he said. You call her a dog, you know, basically. But she wasn't offended, was she? He said she had great faith. Why? Because she wasn't arrogant. She, she, she was not relying on any virtue of her own. She made it known that she was 100% reliant on God and His mercy. Our arrogance gets in the way of the things that God wants to give us. Pride is a killer. And it's like an onion in so many layers, so many different layers. Especially in our nation. We think God owes us something. We think we're entitled we think it's all about us. I'm trying to teach you that it's all about Jesus. We do have good things. We do have a better covenant now with better promises. And there are all the promises in, in, of, of God or in Christ are yes and amen for you. But it's all because of Jesus. It's all about Jesus. Humble faith is the faith that gets results. Without humility, it's not really faith anyway. It's, it's a, faith can be a work. You can make it into a work. Real faith is humble. But that humility will get results with God. Compassion is what we need. If you're praying for spiritual gifts, pray and, and, and try, to, try to understand Things from other people's perspective and point of view so that you can have compassion. Seek God's mercy, not justice. If you're seeking justice from God, that means you think you're entitled to something from God. What we need is mercy so that we can walk in great grace. Amen? Amen, yes. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the brevity of this word. <laughs> Lord, thank you that you are awesome and you are fun and you are good and you love us. 
But thank you, Lord, for teaching us that there are things we need to understand about you, about the kingdom and about how things work, how you have set things in place for our benefit that you don't want to harm us. You don't want us to walk off of a building and die because you put gravity here to help us, to keep us on the planet. <laughs> we have cooperate with these things, just like electricity. We don't put our finger in the light socket. But that electricity sure comes in handy when we learn how to cooperate with it and use it properly. The same way with your spiritual laws that you've put in place for us. Help us, Lord. Give us revelation knowledge of the things that you have for us and the ways that you operate. Thank you for loving us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.